Hey there, adventurer. I appreciate you taking the time to do an investigation check and dig into the archives of the show. I wanted to let you know that this is an old episode back when the show was called The Hard Thing Podcast. The topics are still the same, though the format and some of the names are different. If instead you are coming back to The Hard Thing Podcast, well, surprise, we changed our name and some of our branding. Feel free to hang out in the archives and listen to all the wonderful old episodes of The Hard Thing Podcast or take on a new adventure by listening to some of our current episodes. Either way, happy adventuring. This is the Hard Thing Podcast. Today, we are overcoming average. Welcome back to another episode of the Hard Thing Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you win the war on being average in your daily life by doing hard things. I'm your host, Justin Lewis, and we're here to help you step up above mediocrity and improve your life like I said, all by doing hard things. And we're here to give you the tips, tricks, tools, tactics to do that. And today we're going to do that by interviewing a high-performing individual who's done some really hard things and try and extract actionable insights from their story and give them to you so you can replicate doing those same hard things. Before we get to today's guest, let me talk to you a little bit about Operation Underground Railroad. So, Uh, there's lots of problems in the world. And one of the big ones that people don't really talk about is sex trafficking of children. There are millions of children who are enslaved in sex trafficking, and most people don't even know about it. They just kind of brush it under the rug. Well, that's not what Operation Underground Railroad does. What they do is they are a nonprofit organization that goes undercover to rescue kids from sex trafficking. They are the coolest people because they take light into darkness and they bring hope to those who have none. And uh, actually here at the Hard Thing Podcast, we're trying to raise $1,000 for Operation Underground Railroad. So if you want to join us in that campaign, go to gofundme.com slash overcoming dash average. Donate some money today. It helps in uh, taxes and whatnot, but even just a dollar goes a long way to helping rescue some kids. Uh, Now, let me tell you about today's guest, which actually has a lot to do with kids. Uh, Today, I talk with Sabrina Oso of Oso Safe. She is an advocate for domestic safety. Uh, she talks and speaks out about uh, against, excuse me, she speaks out against home violence, violence in the home, and she provides programs to help uh, landlords and tenants feel safer in their residences. Because as she says, if you're not safe in your residence, that's where violence escalates to being out in public. Uh, it was a very insightful conversation. We talk a lot about abuse and we talk a lot about relationships. So go ahead and listen up to my conversation with Sabrina Oso. Welcome. Thank you so much, Sabrina, for being on the show. I'm happy to have you here. Happy to have this conversation. So uh, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Justin. A pleasure. Awesome. Uh, Well, let's jump in. Like I told you with the question that I ask all my guests, Sabrina, what's the hardest thing you've ever done? There are several, but I would say uh, I put my own father in jail. Uh, this was a number of years ago, and it ties into my company and, and the purpose of it. But uh, And I, I, it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do, but I don't regret it. Not yesterday, not today, and not tomorrow. Uh, and it had to do with abuse. And so it was extremely hard, And but it was necessary. So I hope I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, perfect. Um I probably should have told you this. Usually I like to dig into um, 
dig into people's stories. Is it all right? That, that seems like a very sensitive subject. Is that okay if I ask a few more questions about that? Sure, sure. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so growing up in this household, how did, how, how did you get to the point where that was what had to happen? Well, I grew up with violence. Uh, my father beat my mother on a regular basis. Um, it was pretty traumatic, very dysfunctional, chaotic, violent, um, abusive. So as a witness to that from a young child, you, you grow up very terrorized, really, in your own house. So, so I, I mean, I, I signed that restraining order when I was 19, 20 years old. So, but, you know, he was uh, abusive to her from a child as I was uh, growing up and police would come to the residence quite a bit. And um, uh, I have x-rays of my mother's head bashed against the wall where she's deaf in one ear. Um, he split her lip open. I mean, I've had years of on and off therapy to be able to talk about this comfortably, but initially I was very quiet growing up in that household you don't say anything, you know, you're very quiet. It's an, it's an understood law that you don't say anything. You don't talk about it. Everything is fine. We just had a bad day, but the bad day turned into decades, you know? So, so, uh, and then I, I was quiet year after year. I was always scared. And then I started rebelling I think that's what was starting to happen. I started rebelling. I started to hate him and even my mother to a certain degree because she, I don't want to say she, she encouraged it, but cause that would be wrong to say she was clearly a victim, but she would beat me. So my father would beat her. She would beat me. So it was a vicious cycle. And I started to resent both of them, but especially my father. And then uh, I said to myself, and I, I even said it to him, you ever touch me, you will regret it. And that day came. Um, he slapped me across the face. I can't remember for what. <laughs> I'm draw, I, draw, I draw a blank, mm. like what, what the actual scenario was. But my mother called the police. They came and I signed that restraining order, went to the police station. Oh, it was horrible. And I, uh, so, so that's what led up to it. I, I just like kind of taking the reins on my life. And I did it for my mother too, if that makes sense. Like I kind of like, um, turning pain into some sort of no enough, you know, and, and I, I did feel bad doing it. I didn't feel good. I, I didn't feel like, oh, I feel great. I just put my father in jail. It's not something that you do. But I felt like it was necessary to make a statement to him, to her, to myself. And I guess at the time, I didn't realize it, but looking back, maybe to anybody else that's going through similar. Um, and like I said, I don't regret it. Um, I hope I answered your question. <laughs> yes, completely. 
Um, <clears throat> in, in talking to the many different people that I do and asking about the many different hard things that they deal with, there are, I, and I've said this before on different shows, but there's a spectrum of hard things and it's a spectrum of choice where on one end, it's completely your choice. You know, you choose to engage with the hard thing, kind of like starting a business. You choose to start the business. You choose when you leave. It's all your choice. And on the other hand, there is no choice, right? Cancer or a death in the family. Like you can't get out of that. You don't have, you barely have any choice. You only have choice of what you do within. And I feel like being in a violent relationship or a violent situation in this case is similar where you have very little choice, especially growing up until you're an adult until you're past 18, um, you have very little choice. And I want to ask, what tips would you give to people who find themselves in that situation or find themselves in an abusive relationship in general? Not necessarily to, to fix the problem, whatever, however you say that, but, but just to survive, just to, you know, like get through the end of today, still alive, still breathing. What tips would you give to them? In the immediate sense, uh, document your abuse somehow. Um, know that it's not your fault. Know that uh, you, <laughs> there, there were warning signs. There's always warning signs, but if you don't know them, they, you, then you don't know what to look out for. So you find yourself in a violent relationship that started out as, he or she was not letting you wear certain things or associating with certain friends and family. And you thought, oh, wow, he or she is paying attention to me. Like they're very attentive. They're, oh, they're jealous. I like the attention. But it turns out those are signs of hell is coming. Hell is approaching more hell than what you're going through right now. In the immediate sense, again, documenting, uh, try when the, and I say this to children because children suffer the most in these circumstances, but I, I could say this for adults as well that are in abusive relationships. When the violence stops, go to a good place, uh, a safe place in your home, in your residence, When because it does stop. Like the violence after the beatings, after maybe the verbal abuse, the sexual abuse, the physical abuse, it stops for a time. Mm -hmm. Go to a place <clears throat> where you could breathe, drink water, and really stay in the moment and try your best to think of positive thoughts. I'm going to find a solution. I'm going to get him or her out of here um, and, and, and really tune into that strength because it is there. As a victim, you feel like you don't have any power. And I would also say, like, and I could give an example, when he or she hits you or beats you or tells you that you're a whore, that you're a slut, that you're nothing, that you're a piece of garbage, say something back. If he hits you, you hit him back. You're gonna get beaten anyway. I know it sounds weird, and I'm also safe, right? Promoting safety, preventing violence. However, you got to take the reins on your life and, and know that you do have power, even though it may seem that you don't as a victim, you do have power. 
So when he takes a cigarette and burns it on you, you take a, a cigar and burn it on him. When, when he throws something at you, take a bigger thing and throw it at him or her. It'll be a testament to you that you, that you have some sort of control over your life. Yes, he may beat you even harder, but at least you know that you did something that hurt him. I know it sounds weird. Mm -hmm. A perfect example is leading up to when I had to, I, I put my father in jail. I remember one episode of violence. My father took one of those big, thick telephone books and threw it at my mother from across the room, missed her by a hair. And there, you know, if, the, if that thing hits you, you'll feel it. You know, mm -hmm. it's not going to kill you, obviously, but it's one of those big, thick yeah. telephone books. A couple of days later, I took a tennis ball and threw it at him. And I said to him, how do you like it? He didn't come after me. He just looked at me with surprise. And I felt so powerful in that moment. Like I said, I did it for me and I did it for my mother. And then it escalated to me putting him in jail. So uh, it, 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 kind of, it kind of makes you less of a victim. So I hope I gave some tips on the immediate end. On the further along end, that is actually really immediate to just jump in, hire us, get us hired in your buildings, in your schools where your kids go to school and in your workplaces, but especially in your residences, because we focus on residency. If we don't make homes safe, nothing else will be safe. And that's where the focus needs to be. And when I say hire us, we will you don't have to say anything. You don't have to say I'm a victim. You don't have to relay any information. Just get us in there where the landlord, we, we are focusing on the landlord tenant portion of the real estate industry. We have something called the Oso Safe certification. And in that is the Oso Safe Home Sweet Home package. And it consists of a policy, a seminar, and an app. We will educate all of the tenants we will have everyone sign a policy that says, look, I, as a landlord, I promise to provide you a safe space for you to live. You in turn as my tenant, you promise to not act in any way, shape or form abusively. Otherwise you, the abuser gets immediately evicted from the premises. And we go into full knowledge knowing that that would be the consequences. So there's no surprises. Mm. So that way the building stays intact, you maintain property reputation, you mitigate liability, your vacancy rates will drop and your tenants feel safe. And then there's technology in there. So that way we remove the he said, she said factor. So you get us hired, we have it, we, we, we organize it with the property manager, get all of the tenants in the seminar as a requirement, you want to live in an oh so safe certified property? Well, you're held to a higher regard, a higher standard. You're not going to act like a beast, like a barbarian, where there's violence, there's chaos, verbal, physical, sexual abuse. You have the right to be safe in your own home. Yes, there's going to be arguing, there's going to be fighting, there's go going to be uh, disagreement, but it should never ever cross the line of physical, verbal, sexual abuse. So I hope I gave 
both, both ends, like on the immediate, immediate, and then also on another level of immediate, get us hired in your buildings. We were looking to change the face of residency, revolutionizing it. I know for a fact, and I'm sorry to talk on and on, but if I had this growing up, my own services, my reality as a child would have been much different, much different. Uh, my father would not have gotten away with half of what he got away with. My mother would have been empowered. It would have been a different reality completely. Um, so I hope I gave tips, enough tips yeah, for now. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, I, I, I kind of wanted to circle back and um, I guess point something out to the audience. I, th I think it's important to note that Sabrina isn't recommending revenge. She's not saying, you know, you know, do it bigger just to get, she, what she's saying is rebel to, you know, in, in negotiation tactics, they tell you that whenever the opposing, or maybe not opposing, but your, your counterpart, the, the other party asks for something, you ask for something back. So they get to understand that every time they ask for something from you, it's going to cost them. And you're doing the same thing here where every time they interact with you in an abusive way, you let them know you're teaching them that doing that is going to cost them. And you'll escalate that up to the appropriate response for their actions. And I think that's what you're trying to say, right? Very good. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I definitely don't want to come across <laughs> as revenge and, you know, you have to fight fire with fire, right. violence with violence. Right. Absolutely not. But when you're in that situation and you're you're getting whatever the it's a big spectrum, mm -hmm. violence, abuse, mm -hmm. a pretty big spectrum. And I, we categorize it into three verbal, physical, sexual. So. A lot falls in, into these into these categories, and it could be where you're not even touched, but you're still abused. Mm -hmm. For example, you get your money taken away from you. Or you are told that you are a brat, a monster, um, you're ungrateful, you're nothing, you're a piece of garbage, you, you're nothing without me. They never touched you, but it's hurtful, it's mm -hmm. painful, it's still abuse. So, and you put it very well, I'm trying to say to get control over your life in some capacity mm -hmm. and to show your abuser that you are not going to take this lying down anymore mm -hmm. and it'll get you to empowerment. That's what I'm saying. And, and you stated it very, very well. So I appreciate that. Yes. For sure. Clarification for sure. For sure. And I actually, I, I love that principle. Um, and it's actually one that I've been thinking about a lot because uh, uh, not, not to go spiritual or anything, but in the Bible, at one point, Jesus Christ has this phrase, I can't remember the exact thing, but basically he says, if you're comfortable, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, I'm here to make you more comfortable. And I feel like that's a really good principle in life, especially for someone in an abusive relationship, because as I've heard from some of your other videos, people in abusive relationships have become too submissive, too docile, and they don't react enough. So they need the counterpart of that to, to level them out. They need more rebellion. Like you said, you started becoming more rebellious. They need more, they need to be more chaotic and, and, and throw wrenches and things and, and be more contrary because they're just going along with something that keeps hurting them. So they need that balancing agent 
to really help them get back to normal. Otherwise, they're just going to be like, like you've mentioned in some of your other videos, a doormat. You know, they need to start introducing some of that rebellious nature. So I really like that. And, and all, uh, yes, absolutely. And also, I don't want to come across that it's the victim's responsibility mm -hmm. for their safety. I'm right. not saying that either. That's why we created these products mm -hmm. where the responsibility of safety gets removed from the victim because the victim is broken. Mm -hmm. The victim is just, especially if there's kids, if it, usually it's the mother, but let's face it. One out of seven men is abused, just to put a, a statistic out there. And I have a lot of statistics. So abuse is abuse, whether it's the man or the woman, it's horrible either way. So I'm not saying that the victim has to handle it and and it's all on the victim. Absolutely mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying for that instance, you can do something, even though it seems that you can't. And it's the abuser. We have to get the abuser to take responsibility. And this is where we're saying, look, you, you want to live here? Fine. But you need to not act abusively. Otherwise, the consequences, you get evicted from the premises. And that's how it should be as far as I'm concerned. If your home is not safe, where are you going to be safe? Your home should be your sanctuary. It, should be, it shouldn't be a war zone. It shouldn't be hell. You know, um, so saluta. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and I mean, I'm, I grew up Catholic, but I do not subscribe to any religion, but I, I, I am spiritual. And I never heard that, actually. I never yeah. heard that phrase. Um, uh, I studied multiple religion, religions, right. actually. So, uh, so that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad we're clarifying. This is great, you know, because yeah. uh, it's easy to get these things misunderstood. And mm -hmm. and uh, so to clarify is very important for sure. Agreed. Uh, and I, I liked how you phrased that. Uh, it's not necessarily the responsibility of the victim, but it's something they can do. Speaking of something they can do, you said that you want them to know that it's not their fault. Um and you also mentioned that they are broken. And so I, I wanted to ask, I guess, how does someone who's in that state of mind, in that situation, how do they get themselves to believe that it's not their fault when they're having someone probably every day say that it is? It's difficult to get out of that frame of mind. They... I'm hoping that every single one of your audience members knows it now. I've been doing quite a number of podcasts, uh, interviews, uh, radio interviews, and I say it pretty often. So I'm hoping that that reaches every single listener. And yes, it's very, it's very difficult to know that, to remember it, to, uh, you you have an episode of violence and it could be as like in my own household it would be because i got sick because i got sick as a child a whole a war blew up a war instead of instead of um helping and i'm so sorry you know we'll take you to the doctor and they would 
but it was hell. You're making me spend all this money. How could you get sick? You were supposed to button up your coat. I mean, as silly as that. And as a child, you internalize a lot. Mm-hmm. You, you blame yourself. I, I felt responsible for my parents' marriage. I, and as a child, that's ridiculous. Um, so it's the repetition and, and, I would say the repetition of what we're doing, because we we focus on three pillars. If people hear what we have to say, the education in in the workplace, in schools and in your place of residence, the information will sink in. I have it on my website. It is not your fault. And I know we go over 50 reasons why victims don't leave. People say, well, why don't you leave? Why don't you leave? Just leave him or her. Just leave. We go over 50, five, zero reasons why it's not that easy just to leave. Everything from if your abuser is the breadwinner to the abuser has found you before. So you leave, but then you're found. When a woman decides to leave, she is 75% more likely to be killed. I'm going to say that again. When a woman decides to leave, she is 75% more likely to be killed. And that could be also for a man, I would say. So if the odds are stacked that highly against you, would you leave? It's not that easy to leave. That's why what we're doing with OsoSafe and introducing the certification, and that includes the OsoSafe Home Sweet Home package, you don't have to leave. You, the victim, do not. In fact, you. I say this in my TEDx talk. You stay right where you are with the kids because the kids automatically are have nothing to do with this. They are victims by far. Why should they leave? You run around like a bunch of refugees in the United States. Uh, as many as 20,000 people are seeking refuge at an emergency shelter on any given day in the U.S. I'm not talking about Pakistan. I'm not talking about Brazil. I'm not talking about Spain or Saudi Arabia right here in the U.S., Why? You stay right where you are. It's the abuser that has to go. Either you change your ways or you become homeless. And that's how it should be. I'm sorry, but I know it's it's pretty mm, cutthroat, but we have to have education, technology, and consequences. Otherwise, we'll just keep having victims and abuse, and chaos, dysfunction. It's no way to live. It's no way to live. So I hope I answered your question. Um, uh, It's very hard to get out of that frame of mind. Um, And it's basically education. And when abuse hits in our uh, properties that are also safe certified, we, we get the abuser out to stay out. And then we do positive reinforcement for the victim where we have therapists that go in and really instill empowerment, positivity. I mean, it's like boot camp, uh, a very concentrated therapy two, three times a week where we change their frame of mind. And we have six weeks to do it because that's where we take the security deposit as payment. Mm -hmm. And we say, look, this is not your fault. You have to be in a better relationship. This is no way to live. You've been taught wrong. You need to do this for your kids. All of that. 
Your next relationship has to be a good relationship. There are good men and women out there deserving of your love. All of that has to be really instilled in the person's psyche. I hope I make sense. Yeah, completely. <clears throat> I really love the fact that you say, um, I, you mentioned that, you know, it might seem cutthroat. In my opinion, the the punishment has to fit the crime and it, it has to be a teaching experience. So if the person doesn't have something severe enough that they understand, they're just going to go on to abuse the next person, the next person in perpetuity. And actually that kind of brings me back to a previous question I had, um, diving back into a little bit more of your story in order to kind of get a general sense of how this happens and how we might be able to prevent it. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm kind of making an assumption here, but at the beginning of your parents' marriage, was your father always abusive or did that start up at some point? If you know. He, he grew up, uh, both of my parents were born and raised in Italy. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, and not that really that has anything to do with it. Uh, I mean, there are some cultures that have the machismo stronger mm-hmm. than others. But uh, I find that my father, he, he was abused. From what I know, his mother abused him and his father was the victim, I would say, from what I know. My father passed away over three years ago and I have asked him or uh, I, I go to Italy quite a bit. So and I do ask my family. I mean, I would go there as a child. And um, so my the it was always those tendencies of control of possession of manipulation that was always there and my mother and father their difference in age is um what is it uh i believe 14 years apart i mean that's and it was basically almost my mother was a child marriage because my mother was engaged at 16 Married at 17, had me at 18 years old to a man who was 32. So what is that? For, uh, 14 years? Uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank. So it was easy to control her is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So and plus they came here. Uh, she had no family here. Mm-hmm. So it was even more easier to control her. And it started out very subtle. You know, um, don't go out you're so silly, you have no education. It started verbal mm-hmm. and then started pushing and uh, like grabbing her and then pulling her hair. So it's always a cycle. It, and the, the current episode is always worse than the beginning, the, the, the previous one. Mm-hmm. So it escalates. What I'm trying to say, it always escalates. So he had... He was abused as a child from his mother. His mother was very controlling. So he was ignorant in doing different, Mm -hmm. but I'm not excusing him because I can't excuse him. I I say in one of my videos, your job as a former victim or even a current victim for that matter, you have one job is to not continue the abuse Mm. for yourself. And for your children, that's your one job. You you need to do everything possible 
to make that happen. So he didn't. And the thing is, I was so petrified of him. And yet he would say to me, I love mommy. So I was petrified of him. I, I remember, like I said, I've had years of therapy that I, I am comfortable. Did I say that? I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Justin, did I say that? I, I've been in therapy on and off for, for years. And I, I, I mean, I was silent. I, I didn't say anything until 19 years old. So um, I've had years of on and off therapy to be able to be comfortable even talking about this. So mm -hmm. I don't want your viewers thinking, wow, she's so open. <laughs> it took yeah. a, a lot, lot of, work. of work, a lot of work. And I'm saying this to your listeners to heal them. I'm healing myself. I'm, yeah. I'm healing myself doing this <clears throat> with you. And I, I greatly appreciate the opportunity and I'm hoping it'll heal them as well. Yeah. But I remember I was in the seventh grade. I did not go to school for two days, Monday and Tuesday, because I threw up. They were yelling and screaming, and I knew he was about to hit her. I'm going to start crying. And I just threw up. It was, I was supposed to go to school, and I couldn't. I didn't have a virus. I wasn't, I, I was so scared that I, vomited and they were still yelling and screaming and then tuesday i'm, I'm never going to forget this tuesday i got ready to go to school i had some form of breakfast again they were yelling and screaming and i knew something was going to happen again i vomited and then i i went to school wednesday and you know the other students would ask me what happened and I said, oh, I, I was just sick. I was just sick. These are the kind of things that you have to deal with as a child. Mm -hmm. So, and it builds, you know, it builds, it builds, it builds. Does it get better? Things get worse. And I do get angry with my mother for not leaving him. But I, being oh so safe, I understand why she didn't. Because mm -hmm. he was the breadwinner. She was alone here. Religion played a part, mm -hmm. uh, priests, uh, which is religion, being blamed, it's your fault. So I, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. But the cost, it, it, it's a big price to pay to live in that situation, which is why I'm working so hard with Oso oh Safe to make this a standard, a mandatory standard condition of residency across the board where you don't even have a choice to abuse. It's right. not even a part of your residency. It should right. not be a part of your residency, period, over and out. Yeah. Based on what you just said, at some point, probably many points, there was genuine love between your mother and father. And yet they still had this abusive relationship. Uh, and I, I'm just basing on off of what I said, or at least your father said he loved your mother. Um, so he had that idea that he did. I believe that anyone can become, uh, you know, the worst of the worst and the best of the best if we let ourselves. And I, I want to know if, if you have any tips for men and women out there to stop themselves from starting down that very negative cycle? 
very good question. I'm glad you asked that because I was going to ask, I was going to say something about this. We have to educate children from a young age mm -hmm. to not repeat the cycle, that this is not okay, that in boys, in order to become men, you do not dominate women and girls in any capacity. Same thing for girls. Mm -hmm. You don't be submissive. You, you don't dominate as well. Uh, it has to be a partnership, mm -hmm. an absolute partnership. Um, and I know that's very cliche. Everybody says that. So we formulated um, in the Oh So Safe Home Sweet Home seminar that everyone has to take in order to occupy residency, something called the Oh So Safe Home Sweet Home Code of Living. And we broke it, broke it down into verbal, physical, and sexual do's and don'ts. Mm -hmm. And I think we did a pretty good job of covering all of our bases. For example, whenever, uh, first of all, therapy is really important. Therapy is very, very important. And this has to be a regular part of residency, we feel. Um, so that way, it's preventative. You don't wait for the crap to hit the fan you actually have mental health as a regular part of residency. Everybody has marital problems. Everybody has some sort of relationship problem. You may have a problem with your kid. Maybe your kid just told you that they're pregnant or that they're gay or they're getting bad grades at school or you just lost your job or your, your, whatever the case may be. These are problems, right? okay, you're not going to abuse though. You're not going to be violent. That is not going to be part of the solution. We're going to have accelerated therapy. We're going to talk this out. Uh, if you're having bad grades at school, is it the teacher? Is someone bullying you at school? Ask better questions. We have to know what is a good relationship. For example, if my father had my services growing up where he I would say, like, he cared about me. I, I know he, I know it sounds weird, but he cared about having a roof over my head and feeding me and, you know, the typical things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, good schooling. He put me through college and all of that. However, what he didn't understand or refused to understand or didn't care to understand is, all, all of that is secondary, that me seeing you hit my mother, your wife, is extremely traumatic. It's extremely terrorizing. And I remember sitting in the courtroom looking at him when the judge asked me, are you afraid of your father? And I nodded yes, a very pronounced yes. He looked at me, turned to me. And looked at me with such surprise, such shock, such like, how could you be afraid of me? And I'm never going to forget that. So, and I never asked him before he died, how could you not know? You must have known. You must have known. I threw up in front of you. I, I threw up in front of you. You. How could you think? And I, I think his rage from a child carried, it carried with him. He never got help. He never admitted he was wrong. 
He never corrected his mistakes. So it just carried with him and, and it festered. And he had so much rage, I think, from his childhood that he never, it just carried over in his own marriage, you know. And, and as my mother, you're submissive. Don't, you're, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? How are you? So it was all, it's all uh, nationality took, uh, played a part and being so far away and mm -hmm. lack of education. And you're the man, you're the woman, a lot of gender uh, gender uh, uh, fixations, you know, gender stereotypes, I should say. So all of this came into play. We have to know and we have to teach children what constitutes a good relationship. You need to have healthy sexual relationships. You need to have good uh, um, relationships that do not have any abuse. Uh, meditation. These are all tools that you could use punch a pillow instead of each other, um, write out your feelings, uh, go into deep breathing and, and meditation when things get really, really rough. Be still, allow yourself to be calm, allow peace in your life, especially if you've been through abuse. Um, know that calling anyone a brat, a monster, a prissy little bitch, uh, a whore, a tramp, all of that is verbal abuse. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stop yourself. Walk away. Call your therapist on the spot. Um, uh, and this is a practice, Justin. This is another thing that's really important. It's a practice. Some days you're going to do it better than others, but this is not one and done. You never know what situation is going to come about. Like I said, one day you have your job and the next day you lose it. Well, what are you going to do? Take it out on your wife, on your husband, on your kids, on the dog? No, no. Because you are also safe certified, you know better now. You know better. You're going to call your therapist. You're going to do some meditation. You're going to be positive. I'm going to find another job. See this as a blessing. This has to be repeated over and over again. And you as a parent or even as a non-parent, any children that are around you, because we all know children, you will set the example for them. They'll see the good behavior, the nonviolent behavior, and they will practice it automatically because you are the example. Um, like even two kids, they fight, they argue, but because they, they see how their parents, they're also safe certified, hug it out, hug it out. Uh, communicate what bothers about the other, like what bothers you from about the other, communicate it and then hug it out, um, write it out. What do you need from me right now? All of these tactics we teach in our seminars. This makes for better residency, better business in residency. I hope I, I, hope I gave some tips. Um, concrete tips that people can really take home and practice right now. Um, and if I didn't, please tell me, I'll, I'll go on. <laughs> no, those, those, those were awesome. Um, Even sexual, like you don't rape. That has to be said. You it's would crazy think that, that you have to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you would think that you would know. Don't rape ever, ever. If any one of you says no to sex, 
Don't take it personally. Don't think that it's you. There's a lot that goes on in a person's mind. Don't rape. Don't sexually assault. Don't uh, don't rape your daughter. Don't um, uh, allow sexual freedom. Allow for good sexual relationships. Um, start with touching. Uh, don't give out. And this is a big one. Don't give our boys pornography. That is a big one with also oh safe. It is very important. And I'm not talking about sexual freedom. Sexual freedom is the opposite of pornography. Pornography, and this is both men and women, mind you, because there are women out there that are, they call themselves financial dominatrixes. The real word for them is paid sex abuser. It's them that are doing the abusing to the men. And this is this has to end. It has to become illegal. It is convulsing, revolting what they do online because they are abusive on and off camera. And the men that go to them that want to be sexually abused, it's very disturbing on both ends. I mean, there are videos of people that are in bondage and the woman is spitting in the guy's mouth. This is in pornography. And this is a financial dominatrix. And people think it's harmless because it's the woman doing the abusing. It's horrific. I will say this on your podcast. Pornography is 88.2% physical aggression towards women. Then there's the aspect of the woman doing the abusing in pornography. We have to eliminate pornography from our boys, whether they are our sons, our grandsons, our our nephews, our sons of our friends, all of this creates hostility towards girls and women. It's extremely detrimental to for sexual relationships. How can you have a good sexual relationship if you're seeing, if you are aroused by someone being raped, mm-hmm. a child being raped, which is in pornography? Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about sexual freedom. Se- there's sexual freedom. And then there's pornography. The sexual freedom is erotica. That's healthy sexual relationships, uh, uh, material, if you will. But pornography, um, it's extremely disturbing. And it ties in with, if, if you look at, all of, at a lot of the cases, if not all of them, all the cases of abuse, of violence, of dysfunction, of chaos among women, uh, you know, even serial rapists and All of them have been exposed, use, consume pornography, sex trafficking, big, big, it's pornography come alive, right? right? Because pornography is social media. It's the materials, right? The the magazines, the, the videos, but then at a football game, Mm -hmm. there are women being trafficked young girls uh and with pornographic material your your sexual fantasies your disturbed sexual fantasies are coming alive all of this promotes encourages magnifies the violence um so i i know i'm saying a lot but i'm trying to tie it all in Mm -hmm. and this is in the code of living don't give pornography to our boys, our girls, even um, 
in the sexual part of it, the do's and don'ts, right. uh, but encourage sec- good sexual relationships. We're not saying abstain. We're not saying don't have mm-hmm. sex. Not at all. You, you, we are all, we're, we're human. We're mm-hmm. attracted. Let's get together, whether it be a one night stand or a long relationship. As long as there's no bondage, domination, sadism, masochism, you're good. You're good. Um, I, I know I, I said a lot. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. Um, I, I have one more question and then we're going to transition to kind of the end of the show just because we're running out of some time. But before we do that, sure. just one thing I'd like to mention, I agree completely with what you said about pornography. And I would just like to add before we, you know, make sure our kids don't have it. We have to make sure that it, it stops with us because like you said, we are the example. They see what we do. They emulate us, whether we tell them to or not. Um, so I just like to put that out there, but one last question. Um, what tips would you give to people who are looking for their next relationship in order to avoid possible abusive relationships? Look for someone that is the exact opposite of what they had. Uh, if know the warning signs, if you see that you're this person that you're dating is starting to well, don't hang out with this one. Oh, Sally, don't hang out with her. Meanwhile, she's your best friend. Uh, don't see your family member that you've seen for quite some time. Why are you wearing that? No, it makes me jealous when you wear that. Other guys look at you. Um, if you get grabbed, like like lightly shoved, you know, and it, it, it could seem like, like it, it kind of gives you like a, this gut feeling of, oh, that, that the, these are all warning signs. Mm-hmm. How, if you have children, how this person that you're dating treats your kids. If your kids don't like who you're dating, the new person. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying like kids will, will, will resist. Mm-hmm. That's normal initially, mm-hmm. right? Because there's this new person. I was with mommy. I was with daddy. And now I have to share him or her. I get it. Mm-hmm. But if some time passes, I would say a couple of weeks, a couple of months, especially, and that person doesn't treat your kid right, where uh, that kid is not comfortable with the person, mm-hmm. um, do do a background check on the person. I would go so far as do a background check because you do not want some sex offender around your child and you need to know as soon as possible because sex offenders are very calculating they 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 know what they're doing it's Mm -hmm. all premeditated and you do not want to go down that road ever or again for that Mm -hmm. matter um so there are all these warning signs um if they try to control your money in any in any way shape or form well why don't you let me take care of your checking account why don't you uh and it's subtle but all of these things you have to really be on the alert um uh hugging uh if they they gotta add to your life not not take away from your life so um and ask your child, do you like Bobby? Uh, how do you feel about Terry? Um, and see what they say. Uh, kids are very honest. Yes, they fib, but for the most part, especially like major things, 
they're very honest and they're very sincere. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I would say all these, I hope I gave enough. Uh, if I didn't, I could go no, no. further. Perfect. That, that, that was awesome. Um, definitely lots of food for thought for people who are in relationships. Really, I, I think this episode is a great opportunity for every single person to kind of take a self-evaluation and be like, okay, how can I be less, you know, trending towards being abusive, be more empowering to, to the people I'm with to, and to myself. I, I think both of all, all, everything you've said has just been great. I, I've actually really enjoyed having you on the show. Um, how can our audience reach out to you, Sabrina, see what you're up to and support you? Thank you, Justin. Thank you so much. I, I, I appreciate the positive feedback. Um, my website is ososafe.com. That's O-S-S-O and then S-A-F-E.com. Uh, my direct email is sabrina at ososafe.com. Uh, I am on all the major um, social media platforms, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Alignable, Instagram. Uh, my TEDx talk is, is broadcast but my website has all of my updated information. It talks about the OsoSafe certification, the OsoSafe Home Sweet Home package, what what is involved, how do you hire us? Um, uh, yeah, so I would say those are the best ways. Perfect. I'll get those in the show notes. And then, as far as action items for our audience, these are the ones that I came up with based on uh, what we've been talking about. The first one is to know and educate yourself about the signs of abuse. And then the second one is to work on empowering yourself, kind of like we were talking about, um, whether through acts of rebellion or just making sure that your mental state is in the right area and, and, and you don't believe it's your fault and, and you, you know you empower yourself and I guess you can empower others. Did you want to add to that list at all? You have the right to be safe in your own home, period, over and out. So... We all have to do our job to make sure that that happens uh, because it, it's not enough that you're in a good relationship. The person next to you has to make sure of that too. And the person next to them and so on and so forth. So we all have to do our, our part and um, just really keep us in mind. Uh, residency is where it's at. Uh, so, so um uh, I, I I want all of your listeners to be safe at home, oh so safe at home. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sabrina. I, I really enjoyed having you on the show and having this conversation. And uh, I really hope that the audience listens and takes heart what you've shared with us today. Thank you so much, Justin. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. Uh, I I really appreciate it. And I have to say, talking with Sabrina was fun because one, she's an Italian speaker and I speak Italian. So that was kind of nice to connect with her that way. But more than anything, it's a great reminder that what we do affects other people, especially in how we treat them. And when I say affects, I don't just mean uh, interacting with them affects them. What I mean is it influences the direction and trajectory of their life. So make sure you're helping people get to a better place and not a worse place. And always be questioning whether your actions are as good as they can be. Always be critical of yourself, not in a negative way, but in a positive way, trying to figure out, okay, maybe I mess up here, but I can get better. Always be looking for better ways to communicate with the people who are most important in your life, because if you treat them wrongly, they will not be there for long. I promise you that. Uh, I also want to let you guys know that 
As listeners of the Hard Thing Podcast, you can get a free audiobook today from Audible. Just go to audibletrial.com slash the hard thing podcast, get a free audiobook. I would recommend Slave Stealer, uh, since we're talking about uh, violence uh, and, and, and things like that. Recommend Slave Stealer from Tim Ballard. It's all about sex trafficking and putting an end to sex trafficking. Uh, so go get Slave Stealer for free as an audiobook from Audible at audibletrial.com slash the hard thing podcast and, and go get that today. Next, I want to let you know that you have the opportunity to take doing hard things to the next level. Uh, it's one thing to get information. It's one thing to, to get actionable insights, but it's another thing to hire a coach or a consultant that can help you get there. So I want to give you the opportunity to get a free consultation with exercise and nutrition consultant, Jason Laporte, uh, who's also actually, he's, he's the owner of Semper Fit Nutrition here in Utah. He also runs the Damage Plan MMA podcast, but you can get a free exercise and nutrition consultation with him. Just go to thehardthingpodcast.com slash fitness, sign up and, and, and take your exercise and nutrition to the next level, actually working with a professional who can get you there. Last but not least, guys, I, I say this every week, keep doing hard things because you're, you'll overcome average. I really believe that. I, I know that the more hard things you do in your life, the better prepared you will be for when things just pop up out of nowhere. Uh, during today's conversation, Sabrina mentioned that sometimes, you know, you might lose your job and you'll, you'll, you'll feel these emotions and you want to get rid of them. You'll want to punch things or whatever. The more hard things you put yourself through, the better prepared you'll be for those situations. You'll have more resilience, more positivity if you choose to undergo those stresses on your own accord. So go out there, do some hard things because you will overcome average. Hey guys, one quick announcement for today's show, and you might have heard this already, even in today's episode, but uh, I have an awesome opportunity for you guys once in a lifetime. You have the opportunity to have dinner with myself and a covert CIA operative. That's right, an undercover spy. Uh, my guest, Andrew Bustamante, has been gracious enough to offer himself up uh, as guest for a dinner with myself and one lucky audience member. So if you want to sign up for that, make sure you hit the link in the show notes below as well. You can go to Instagram and hit the link in my bio at the hard thing podcast. This is first come first surf and there's only one slot. So whoever signs up first will have the opportunity to come to Utah and have dinner with myself and Andrew Bustamante. It's an exciting opportunity. It's one that you'll be able to brag about to your friends of being able to sit down, having dinner with an undercover secret agent. So don't waste any time. Go ahead and sign up in the link in the show notes or go to Instagram at The Hard Thing Podcast and click the link in my bio and you'll find all the relevant information there. Uh, so look forward to having dinner with you. <laughs>